and welcome to season two of Sideways. I didn't notice you'd been gone, I hear you say. That's because we weren't. But in this new season, we're going to be adding some new dimensions. Video, there's a new Facebook page, Instagram is coming, and who knows what else. We certainly don't, because we're still winging it after six months. This week, we're talking about what it would be like to go back and fix things from the past. Whether even if it were possible, it would be helpful, or even desirable. Martin also makes a shocking initial choice as his favourite Doctor Who. Time travel. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, time travel. Oh, fantastic. What, Doctor Who? <laughs> Who? Doctor Who, yeah, yeah. Doctor Who, yeah. yeah. Who was Doctor Who? Uh, William Hartnell, yeah. Really? Yeah, he's black and white. He was, he, he was the one that scared me most. And I think, um, and he was also in uh, uh, Carry On Sergeant, one of the earliest Carry On films. He was in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's surprised yeah. me. That surprised me. I thought when I asked you who your favourite Doctor Who was, you were going to tell me Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, actually, if I'd have thought longer about it, I may have gone for Tom Baker. Yeah, because of course. Everybody uh, should go for Tom Baker, shouldn't they? They should really. I just I used to see him in his dotage knocking around Headcorn. He used to live not far. He used to come in for the book fair and that sort of thing. So, yeah, he was almost like a local celeb. So, yeah, I'd probably go for him. He opened the door for me once in Marks and Spencers. Did he? Yeah. Did he? He, he? I was coming in the back of Marks and Spencers. He was coming out of the back of Marks and Spencers and he opened the door for me and he said, after you, dear boy. Did you say I'm just going in to buy a long scarf? Because no, you'd I, never heard of those sort of jokes before, will he? No, I didn't. I went into Marks and Spencers and then later on that same morning, because I was with Beth, she was a baby at the time, uh, I was in the opticians and he was in there, saw me again. Good Lord, he's sort of stalking you. Yeah. Yeah, he, he probably disappeared off for a few thousand years and just came back at that time, didn't he? He was probably <laughs> looking to buy a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk to you. In fact, the, the, the thing when I first... I wasn't thinking about Doctor Who, really. I was thinking about uh, Back to the Future. Oh. Obviously, one of the, one of the greatest time travel films of all time. I don't expect you like it because it's popular, but, but, you know, the, the, the normal... People in society would have uh, good. It's an accessible film, and it? it's fun. I do also, like it actually. I, I think perhaps that's it's one of the exceptions to my rule. I do like Back to the Future. I don't think I've ever seen Back to the Future two or three. There might even have been a four. No, there wasn't a four, but um, yeah, you got to see two and three. They're, they they they're part of the trilogy. They're not as good as number one, to be honest. But they are. They've got their own quirks. Well, I see you as a sort of an Emmett Brown sort of character, a mad professor. Actually, no, he's, actually I always remember... You're a Daryl Brown sort of character from Hot Chocolate. <laughs> no, I always thought your dad, your dad would be a bit of Emmett Brown in some ways. Yeah, I can see that. It's probably the, see that. the mad hair. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, it's, it's strange because it, it, we're just talking about on one of our Zoom meetings, one of, our, one of the Aspire to Be meetings, um, we talked about time travel um, in various films and that sort of thing. And um, we, we then sort of got onto discussion, only briefly, and I thought about it afterwards at the meeting had ended, but about, you know, what if you could, what would we change? What if, we, if we could go back in time, you know, could we have made alterations, you know, in the past to, you know, to affect how we turned out, to affect our addiction problems, et cetera? Right. Well, presumably you would. Right. Well, yeah, well, I, I thought about it, actually. So I thought I started jotting down a few things that I could potentially have changed and some yeah. of the things I couldn't, okay? Um, well, some of the things, I mean, if you go back in time, you can't change, for example, uh, your genetics. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I would would have still. We know, you know, the making up of an addict is a many faceted thing, and one of the one of the one of the big portions of that is is genetics. You know, the, the more likelihood you are to 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 have a fully blown addiction problems if if genetically you're you've got a predisposition to it. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to alter that. Um, I wouldn't have been able to alter the traumas that I had. No. Um, I, I wouldn't have had any control over that. So that's another big thing that I wouldn't have had better control over. Um, well, Normalising. Sorry? Just on that point, though. You know, yep. generally, if we think about our ability to alter trauma, there's a distinction, isn't there? Because we can. you're right that we don't have any ability to... Um, alter traumas that have happened that are cut, that um weren't of our own making yes you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of trauma that we go through in our lives that when we reflect on it we think mm, yeah i I've, i was kind of the architect of that but what you're talking about are traumas that are you know happening outside of your control right they are they are and we get a big proportion of people coming to groups that have had traumatic experiences either in early childhood or you know early teens etc um that weren't of their making, you know, is something that's happened to them. We, we, you know, if you look at things like, like uh, sexual, uh, child child abuse or sexual abuse at a young age, yeah, um, trauma, um, bereavement traumas. Yeah. You know, in my case, I wouldn't have had control over over my brother's death, Paul's death, for example. Which, uh, having said that, today would have been his birthday. Yeah. Quite, quite, but yes, he would have been fifty six today. Which is which is yeah. unbelievable, really. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because of course that's the, the thing about, it's funny because we've never spoken about your brother. Well, I mean, you and I have, obviously, but yeah, yeah. we've spoken about your brother on here. And I've, I've never brought it up because it feels to me as if it's something that you should, you know, if you want to bring it up, you should bring it up. But one of the things I, that, about, about bereavement when, you, when someone dies when they're young um, is they're forever young, aren't they? You know, I can't imagine Paul 56. No. You know, it's not, it's just not possible in my mind. It isn't. He's still 21 and he'll always be 21. He'll always look the same, etc. Yeah, but that is certainly that trauma. I, there's nothing that I could have done to avoid that. And I know looking back on things, what a massive part that played in my, in shaping the way I, think, I thought, the way I felt and the way I behaved. So that's that, that I wouldn't have been able to have changed. Do you feel like it had, um, you know, have you, have you over the years got to the point where you, where you, feel it had a direct impact on your um, fall into addiction? Um, yeah, I mean, some of the some of the help, I know you and I have spoken to, uh, about this, um, but also I've spoken to other people, certainly when I was in detox and that sort of thing, and other help that I've had. I could, you could, I could pinpoint the, the change in my mindset to then, yeah. Um, and I went through a, a long period of, of self-pity, um, you know, why me sort of, sort of thing. Mm. And, and and the release to that was was drinking too much. Really, it, it took away the, the the pain, and and it took away the pain. I, it took away the emotions I had to deal with, not only from a personal point of view, but obviously watching how badly it affected my parents. Yeah, um, and it, it was yeah, it was, it was awful. It was an awful time. But I, I found that drink, and um, I didn't really take many drugs at that time. It was. It, weed for example but it just took away the the edge from it really and i didn't have to think about it too much i mean you're f you're when something like that happens in your life you're forever changed by it aren't you and, and you you know if we were able to go back or if i were able to go back and 
chat to you before Paul died, I'd, pro- I'd probably see a shift in you. I mean, I don't recognise it now. You know, I, no. to me, it's kind of seamless because I just know you like I know you. But I'm quite certain at the time I would have noticed a massive shift in you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was the architect, I suppose. If I could change something, I, I would have asked for help earlier. I would have done something about my um, my inability to talk about my emotions. I wouldn't yeah. have wrapped it all. Up in my, I wouldn't have wrapped it all up in my own in my own head, and then and then uh, self medicated to release the the pressure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, from recollection, my memory of you would have been, would have, or one of the observations I'd have made would have been that you threw yourself into work. Yeah, I did. I did. It was a big distraction. Yeah. Um, and it was it was something that you know I was just starting out on a career. I remember, I was only well, I was twenty three at the time. So you're in a, in a, a time when you are starting to crack on. You're starting to to make ways. You know, I'd, I'd done. I'd I've got my qualifications in the insurance industry, and I was starting to make make to forge a career. And it was a great distraction of becoming absorbed with it. Mm. It, uh, but again, I, I couldn't have changed. I can imagine if people had a childhood trauma where they were perhaps in some way responsible for someone that died around them. But that, in my case, it was there was nothing I could have done about that, and so that that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Um, and in one of the other things, perhaps you know, normalisation of drink around me at home, um, I wouldn't have been able to abort her. And obviously, my, my dad working for. Uh, a, a brewery <laughs> it's uh, it's quite tricky alcohol was was a big part of our lives even though my mum and dad didn't drink a great deal it was always there every you know every nook and cranny down in the cellar was was full up with alcoholic beverages and stuff so so that that was that was that and I suppose the mental health issues you know I'd I, I suppose, you know, looking back, it would have been nice to have altered the, uh, my, again, talking to people about my anxieties at that time and, and the stresses that I was starting to put myself under emotionally. Um, so, yeah, there's most, most of those things. Just on that, on that point, I don't know, yeah. if you, you know, even if you had the opportunity to go back, obviously, which you don't have, unless, unless you, you have fashioned a time machine uh, during, <laughs> during lockdown, which I suppose is, is possible. It, it beats... Um, you know, the, the mania for sourdough bread baking. But, um, <laughs> you know, even if you, even if you did have the opportunity to go back, you know, my, and, and this is something else that we've spoken about, um, people don't address those sorts of things until they're ready to anyway. No. So my suspicion is you'd probably find yourself back there and you still wouldn't be addressing it because you wouldn't have reached a point in your life where you were ready to address it. Probably not. Probably not. It's just it's 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 a strange thing at time travel. You know, if if we're going back to the benefit of hindsight, you now there are some things I could have changed, but very little really. When I when I thought about it afterwards, after we talked about it in the meeting, when I thought about it afterwards. What could I have changed? You know, could I have changed my peer group? There wasn't anyone that I hang around with who's a bad influence or drink or drug wise. Yeah. You know, that was that. So I, that that wouldn't have been something I changed. Toxic relationships would probably be the thing in my later life that I could have potentially altered yeah yeah but because but toxic relationships will have come as a result of something going on in you anyway so unless you can yeah. change something about yourself you wouldn't have yeah. prevented yourself from falling into toxic relationships either no but again with the benefit of hindsight i'd avoided those people perhaps but then yeah, again well, you know yeah, you, you you may have done but what i'm suggesting to you is i don't think you would have avoided those people because until you 
you know, to me, toxic relationships are reflecting something to you about yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't tolerate being in them. So when you tolerate True. being in a toxic relationship, actually you're learning something about your own sense of um, your own value. Would you, would yeah, you, yeah, incidentally, no. if, you did, if you did go back, would you, um, would you have changed supporting West Ham? <laughs> um, uh, yes, with a bit of hindsight, <laughs> it caused nothing but misery and trauma throughout my uh, throughout my life. Really, I was thinking, oh, could I have, could I, if I went back in time, could I not pick up that first drink? With the benefit of hindsight, knowing that that was going to cause issues to me, could I have just said no at that point? What, what, do, you, what do you think? Um, if uh, again, with the benefit of hindsight, it, if I, it depends, I suppose, what period of my life I went back to. Um, you know how far back I went, but um, if 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 I suppose if I thought right that drink, if I start drinking, it's going to cause me untold issues later on in life. Then perhaps I could have avoided it. Yeah, it's an interesting. That's one thing. Go on. That's one thing I could potentially have had control over. Yeah, it's a very interesting debate. This because um, controversially. I'm not sure you would have avoided picking up that first drink. <laughs> no, I'm just, it, this is, I mean, the, the more I thought about it, the more I went into these things that, of what I could have potentially changed, what I couldn't. There's very little I could have altered, really. I think, I think that's what I, when I, when I was writing out the list, there wasn't a great deal. You know, I think the, the, the majority of what happened to me and, and the way I'm built and the way I thought and the way I feel was pretty much, you know, there, there, there would have been out of the, out of 100% of what I could have changed, I could have potentially changed, you know, between five, ten percent, perhaps, mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't have made a great difference to me. I think I'd have still ended up the same as I am now. I mean, do, I mean, do you ever get people come coming now, come sit in your chair and wish they could, wish they could, oh, a bit like share. If she come, would you, if she could turn back time? <laughs> <laughs> I've never. I've, obviously, if obviously if I had worked professionally with share, I wouldn't be able to tell you. No, no, of course not. I'm so, sure in the chair. Yeah, if I had share in the chair, I'd have to keep that confidential. So any any suggestion that her song, if I could turn back time, as any reference to the work she did with me, is purely <laughs> conjecture. So do you get people think, oh, if only I could just turn back the clock? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good, good, oh, good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said yes because I mean, what do you say at that point? Well, there's lots of things that I. Would you say. can't. There's lots, there's lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. So what am I doing about it now? Oh, there's lots of things I'd say. Um, let me come back to that in just a second. So, just don't, I don't want to lose one sort of thought I had. Um, okay, okay. When you were talking about the thought of going back and being able to change things, and and the realization that there wasn't very much <laughs> could change. Do you, when you were thinking about that, didn't you also give some sort of credence to the conclusion that actually where you are now? I mean, I might be wrong about this, but from the conversations we've had, where you are now, you're in quite a good place in your life, aren't you now? Um, I have serenity. Yeah, and I think I, I can't really put a price on that. Okay, that's for sure. But so, I've got, I've got, but I've got, a ref, I've got a reference point that um, you know of, of, of being in such a bad place that um, any little uh, move upwards away from that was was joyful. You might have had to do some really hard yards to get here. Um, you, you know, the experiences you've had in your life have made you who you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 totally. Yeah. No. I've been shaped by that. Um, you know, the, the base of our, our, our discussions were, you know, do we, we want to go back and change that shape. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, people do look back and they have regrets. You know, you as a therapist, what would you, you say to people that were thinking like that? Well, I mean, I don't know whether you deliberately done this, but actually uh, creating 
this subject this week follows on perfectly from last week's episode is about catastrophizing, right? Um, And so uh, the root of anxiety and catastrophizing is time travel. That's where it comes from because, because we create anxiety for ourselves by stepping back into the past and looking at all the things that went wrong, all the things that we did wrong, all the things that were done wrong to us, all the things that we wished could be different. And then what we do is we go away from the past and we step into the future and we think about the likelihood that they're all going to happen again. Oh, you know, because all this happened in the past, it's going to happen again in the future. And so one of the things that I say to people when they say, oh, I wish I could, you know, turn back time or change things is I point out to them the futility of time travel. You know, when you think back to the past and you're thinking about wishing that you could do something about the past, you're wasting your emotional energy because you're spending all of your time in a part of your life you can't do anything about. It's gone. It's happened. And so I would urge someone, if someone said, I wish I could go back into the past and fix something, I would urge them to think about what they can do in their life now that might help them get away from that feeling of a necessity to go backwards because you can't go backwards. I mean, I, that, that, that's, that's the perfect answer. That's what I wanted to hear really, because I mean, it's um, this, this, you know, my notes sort of pivot around about this point as well of, about, you know, we know we can't go back. And, and, and again, we talk, we talk about it in groups about, you know, we have to move on. And I know you and I've talked about how important therapy is at, the, at this stage when you, when you're looking to move on and to be able to, to put some of those things behind you and to deal with those things that have happened and, and then move on. Um, because they always say that, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Now, I don't really like that phrase particularly because it reminds me of a, of a um, when I used to work for Standard Life and I would go on one of these training courses up in Edinburgh. And that, I, remember, I remember a guy standing up and saying that. And I thought, that is a cliche. That is such a cliche. But there is some elements of truth about it. But um, I really didn't like it at the time. So it was all wrapped up in the corporate world, which I came to despise. Mm. Well, do, do you think that's a fair comment? Yeah, I do. And I think probably one of the reasons that that would have frustrated you was because it was it was kind of being, it's like, um, it's empty. It's an empty phrase, isn't it, given in a corporate yeah. training session. So for us, there are two things wrong with that to me. Firstly, it's corporate bullshit. You know, it's <laughs> like when someone's standing up and saying that, it's almost like a, this is the sort of thing you say to people to inspire them. But it's bollocks. Yeah. It's bollocks. Which brings me to the second problem with it which is that one of our fundamental human needs, and this also goes back to the, or forward, to the episode about catastrophizing, one of our fundamental human needs is the need to feel certain about stuff. It's the need to feel as if we have some sort of sense of what's going to happen next. There isn't any. None of us have got any sense of that. You know, we like to think that we know what's going to happen tomorrow. If we look in our diaries, we'll say, oh, look, tomorrow at 10.30, I've got this going on, and Saturday I'm doing that. You know, usually it's staying inside at the moment. But that's what we think we're going to do. And probably for the large majority of us, that is what we'll end up doing. But you can't be certain about it. There isn't any. I mean, you, one of the things you mentioned already today when Paul died, you didn't see that coming. So, you know, you can't see those sorts of events in the future. So when anyone says to you the best way to predict the future is to create it is, well, bollocks, because you can't. You can do your best. You can try and put... Um, a foundation in place that gives you the best chance of creating a future that you want, but there is a degree of it that is always going to be in the lap of the gods. 
and you have to accept that. There's, there's, there's one thing I just wanted to, it's a, a, a quite a nice little quote that I, that, I, that I came across that I quite liked. And it, it's like, it moves us on slightly from where we are in this, in this, in this episode, but it's, um, it's by a guy called Henry Van Dyke. He was a, he was at uh, the turn of the last century. He was a, he was an American author and a clergyman, but he, he said, he's talking about time and he said, time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice. But for those who love, time is eternity. And it's, I quite liked that. And I, there's a lot in there. And, you know, we could analyse it to the, to, to the cows coming. But I just thought, you know, the, the, the bit at the end about, you know, for those who love, time is eternity. You know, to me, recovery is all about learning to, to love myself again. Yeah, I mean, loving yourself is not big-headed. People who struggle with their sense of self, struggle with low, self, low self-esteem or poor self-image, tend to yeah. think of self-esteem or self-image as a as a binary thing either i'm either down on myself and hating myself loathing myself or i'm being arrogant and selfish but actually um self-esteem self-image is not binary it's not black and white it's a scale and you you know if you're either one if you're either end of that scale you're in a difficult unhealthy position if you're grandiose and arrogant that's not healthy and if you're full of shame and hatred for yourself, that's not healthy either. Where we're all trying to get to is somewhere in the middle where we are able to look with honesty at our faults and the things that we want to change, but we also are able to look at ourselves with care and compassion. And that is the essence of what it is to be in recovery. Not to let yourself off the hook, but to be loving and caring enough to yourself to get yourself through difficult times yeah i mean it, it, again that that comes up a lot we, we discuss that a lot in groups and it's, it's the sort of thing where we find it really difficult especially in early recovery to have any positive thoughts about ourselves because i think we've we've spent so long in really disliking ourselves and other people telling us that we're unlikable that it takes a lot of unwinding that which again i think therapy introduced at an earlier stage in recovery would definitely help in that respect yeah because i can tell you even with therapy it takes some people years to get there yeah that's hard that is hard to kind of change your sense of yourself when the only um when the only person that you have to listen to is yourself you know it's almost like a it's it's almost just like a self fulfilling prophecy that you that you don't really think much of yourself but you're reliant on yourself to tell yourself that you're worth something i mean that's yeah. pretty tough it, it is tough it's, it, it is tough and it, it's uh you're going back to that quote about you know that, that's from henry van dyke that i was talking about it you know it looks at all the different perceptions of time that i mean time is is linear but we our perception of it changes depending on what, uh, what's happening to us and what frame of mind we're in but it, when it starts off saying time is too slow for those who wait i remember you know everyone that comes into groups again just mentions how frustrated they are that things aren't happening quicker or quicker or more quickly i should say yeah, brilliant. <laughs> i was gonna say quicker and then quickly came out <laughs> yeah I was, it's word. Sort of, a word it should be people get very frustrated in early recovery because they expect a, a an instant change and it, it's coming to terms with the fact that this, this is quite a long haul thing. It's not a quick take a magic pill and you're out the other end again. Yeah, one of the things that I've really noticed when I work with people in recovery is exactly that. Um, recovering addicts are like no other group of people for impatience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, well, I, I, can, I think I it's one of, the first, one of the first things that 
I, you know, I try and work with people on and try and impress upon people that, you know, you've, in most cases, you've taken years, probably decades to get yourself to this point. Don't expect to unwind it in a fortnight. It's not going to happen. And actually, the other thing that's really important to think about with regard to impatience is when you are impatient with yourself to get better or feel, you know, stronger or whatever, that's another sign of self-loathing. Give yourself some time. Give yourself some space. If it was someone that you, if it was a friend that you really cared about, you'd give them the time, wouldn't you? You wouldn't say, oh, come on, aren't you better now? I'm, I'm sort of glad you said, you know, that, uh, that you, know, you, you find that addicts are in a group of their own as far as impatience is concerned because it, it's, it's something that uh, we talk about a lot and it, it is something we all suffer from. But I'll just, I'll, um, last little quote, okay, just to, final, just to finish up this episode. <laughs> but Albert Einstein, he, he said, the only reason for time is that so everything doesn't happen all at once. <laughs> the great thing about that quote from Einstein is he's reminding us that time is a, um, a man-made construct. Yes. It doesn't exist, does it? Only exists because we've made it. It does. I mean, when, when I was looking at that, it, it, I, you know, it started drifting into about, you know, the, uh, about time travel, altering the space-time continuum and all sorts, which is, <laughs> it, it, got, it got really out of hand. Anyway, yes. Anyway, so just one, one final thought on time. It's important for us to remember that time... The fact that it's limited, which we complain about a lot, you know, we feel like we're running out of time, I haven't got time. It's important for us to remember that the fact that time is limited is the greatest motivation that we have in our lives. If time was limitless, we'd never do anything because there wouldn't be any point. We'd just say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. So when we complain about running out of time and getting older or, oh, you know, worrying about that, we need to remember that it's the very thing that has pushed us on to get stuff done in our lives. Do you know, that's, that's, that's a better quote than Albert Einstein's. Good. So are we done? Okay. We, well, I had loads of other notes, but I'm going to save them because it, it winds into other bits and pieces that, uh, uh, that I can, we can discuss in the future. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, yes, I am. T- just, just before we go, did you, did you watch that, um, watch The Matter with Tony Slattery? No, I haven't. Did you watch it on TV? It's a must watch. It really is. It's on the iPlayer and it, with addiction and mental health being looked at there in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a it's, it's, it's a fairly kind light, I think. That's but interesting. We can probably have an episode on Tony Slattery. We can. I mean, I, I've got all my notes on that because I did take notes as I watched it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's <laughs> going to be flipping difficult thinking of a tune to do for that one. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think I've, I've given you a tune for this week's one almost by default. Yeah, I suppose you have really, yeah. Yes, but which means you won't do that now because you don't like to think that I've second-guessed what your intro and outro music is going to be. No, I'll always always try and find something that you won't think of. Yeah, good. Anyway, I, look right. forward to, I look forward to hearing it. All right, Squire. Well, I'll raise a glass to, uh, to Paul on his birthday. And yes. I, I mean a glass of water, by the way. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, well, I'll raise a cup of tea. Thanks, Paul. See you next time. See you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work, visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways-podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, you can find us on our new Facebook page, uh, Sideways Podcast, and you can email us to let us know what you think of the show or if you have any questions. And finally, we want to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.
jumping gardens in the moonlight, garden rake.